Welcome to Verbal Diary, episode three, with me, Cy Jobling. And me, James Norton. How are you doing, James? I'm all right, thank you. I'm all right. I'd just like to apologise to our listeners for the slight pause in programming we had last week. I'll hold my hand up, and I am literally holding my hand up. He is. Entirely my fault, because I went on holiday. Yep, and before that week, so did I. Oh, so it's half your fault as well. That's good. Good to know. It's a shared responsibility we must take on together. Um, anyway, how are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised that you're still awake at this time of night. Yes, you are pushing me beyond my limits right now. I've, I've dosed up on caffeine to make sure this recording happens tonight. Good. Um, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I've had a busy few weeks, as we say. Holiday was um, much needed, but very well much appreciated. We went off to the Canary Islands to Fuerteventura, or have you pronounce it. Um, <laughs> this is not making it into the podcast. Are we not? We're not getting to the no. details. No, that, that's that's uh, no, no, I'm not. What Fuerteventura? Ventura? <laughs> not if you can't fucking say it. <laughs> is it just Future Ventura? Is the way they pronounce the spell it? Fuerte Ventura. Fuerte, because uh, of course it's Spanish. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, I went to Fuerte Ventura, which was very nice. It was in the. Well, I still know how you say it, but fine. For God's sake! Just because I'm northern, you're being northernist. <laughs> I'm being Englishist, I think, at the moment. Anyway. Yeah, you just yeah. Anyway, it was very nice break. Twenty degrees at minimum every day, so made the most and got a bronze glow about me. A lot more relaxed, enjoyed with as much food and alcohol as physically possible. How was your holiday as well? Fantastic, thank you. Fantastic. Also warm, sunny, and delightful. Indeed, Indeed. I, I don't feel. A little bit bad for the poor English people that have had to suffer through the recent frostbite, let's say. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, things are on the up, I think, weather-wise, especially in the UK. It's been shitty here for a while. It's been pretty grotty, wet and miserable. And that's just the north. How's it been down your way? Similar. Yeah? But I, I, I can see the, t- the tide is turning. You know, we're getting brighter mornings, which is definitely helpful, considering our topic of today as well. Um, what is our topic of the day? Are we driving? To, are we diving straight into that? Or we... Well, I thought I had a great lead-in, but you, you went into holidays and talking about the weather. It's almost like you're British. So, so what is the topic? So the topic, considering it's quite late tonight, let's say it's, it's got nine o'clock. It's past my bedtime, quite frankly. Um topic is about early birds, night owls, and, you know, how everyone's a little bit different in these ways. Um, obviously, I lean towards the early bird side of things. I always have. Um, I was even speaking to my grandmother at the weekend, and she had to make a swipe about the fact that every school holiday, when I was stopping with her, I'll be up at 6am, creaking past her bedroom door, waking her up. And she's still not let it down. This is 20, 30 years on. She still holds it against me. Um, but yeah, I've always been an early bird. Um, and up to now, I'm awake up at six. I'm on the train about seven o'clock, heading down to London, in the office for half eight at the latest. And that gives me plenty of time to get my head straight. I mean, going back to the previous episode, if you've not listened, rewind. Um, Getting in early, get my head straight, get things ready for the day. 
I'm ready. I'm pumped. I'm good for this. I probably had too much caffeine at that stage, but it's, you know, it's it gets me going. You on the other hand, how are you on this? I am not a morning person. I can certainly vouch for that being the person that sees you first in the morning. Oh, you always brighten my day, Simon. But the um, it's uh, I am most definitely a night owl. So um, yeah, I, I typically um, I'll wake up in about an hour. Really, in an hour. And then, yeah, and then I'll be at my peak. Oh dear! So this is what we've got to look forward to in the next hour. Well, hopefully this won't take an hour. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so no, I've 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 always been a I've always been a night owl in that mm. category, um, and it's you know I kind of hate morning people. I'm afraid to say. I think all night owls do because when it comes to the morning, I really just 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 want to kill everyone. Um, some some sort of like killer rampage is typically what I'm looking for. You know the London tube system is perfect for this. There's a lot of people that need killing on there. I think. Yeah, no, I cope really well with the tube in the morning. Uh, and um, obviously, you know, we're, we're we're at different ends of the spectrum here, and and it presents some interesting challenges. I think. Uh, you you're not far wrong there, fella. So yeah, I think as we say, trying to record this. We've had holidays in the way, which have not really helped matters. But trying to find a suitable time to do this is very difficult. Um, as, as I touched on earlier, you're lucky to keep me awake at this time of the night. I'm normally lying down. I think it's very easy to find a good time. We could record at, say, half past 11 tonight. For you... <laughs> I'm not like that anymore. I mean, this this is the thing. I used to be a night owl as well as a morning person. So, so, so you didn't sleep? Basically, yeah. And I burnt out. So it, when I was in my 20s, and I was really kind of career-driven, um, hugely passionate about what I do. Not that I'm not as passionate anymore. I've probably reduced my passion or reassigned my passion. But I was so engrossed with technology. I wanted to push myself, learn new things build things, side projects, whatever, as well as my day job. So I would stay up till 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock some nights, just to work on some of these little side projects to keep me going. And then I had a child, and things changed a little bit there. And I started to appreciate my time a little bit more, especially at weekends when I was absolutely whacked from working 15, 16-hour days. You know, I say working in the loosest term, you know, I Doing the standing nine to five or eight till four, as I often do. Go home, reset, bit of lunch, chill out with the family. Then I get my laptop out and start doing more. This was back, you know, ten years ago. But um, yeah, I think age crept up on me. I started to realise I was pushing myself far too much. Um, reality check, and start looking after yourself a bit more. So um, yeah, and don't get me wrong. Occasionally, like this, I want to get back into it and spend a bit more time. But I've got to be more realistic on what I can do. I'm not going to be doing it every night of the week. I might do one or two nights a week where I just delve into little side projects or whatever. Even just getting absorbed in reading something, you know. it's I don't do it much and I tend to use train time to do that. Because it's ideal. I've got like 50 minutes or so where I'm just isolated on a train, surrounded by people I don't want to speak to grab a book enjoy the ride um so i think going back to the point 
rather than being a rambling idiot, as I'm pretty good at. I've just changed. I'm a morning person, mostly, and evenings are my time. And it is wind-down time. I mean, I guess having a kid really sort of changes things, yeah? So I know when I had a had my little one, um, you, you're forced into becoming both, well, an, an awake all the time person, whether you like it or not. Um, and then, yeah, you you know, I don't get lions these days and things like that. I, mean, I remember you talk about being in your 20s. I'm not sure I can remember being in my 20s, but I, I wasn't working 16 hours a day. I was I was out every night having fun. Larging it. Larging it. I was larging it. That's what the Norwegians say. I don't know what that means. Um, I was out having fun. And uh, so, you know, I'd, I'd be out often till all hours of the day and night. Um, so, yeah, think, things are different. But what I'm interested in, what I'm interested in is you manage people at work. Yep. Yep. I'll try um, to, yep. Well, what's it like managing someone who is of a different type in this way to Ooh. you? Do you have people on your team who are you know, moody uh, as hell in the mornings or anything like that? Well, there certainly are some people that are like that, yes. So over the last year, I've probably I've managed a couple of different teams, different shapes and stuff. Um, the people that are definitely night owls, they struggle. So basically... For those that don't understand, like agile processes and you know team ceremonies and stuff like that, every day in the morning we'll have a, a stand up. Some call it a scrum, and typically it's the start of the day. But being in London, you know, I've got to be conscious of the London arrival times. It's between nine and ten, um, so we've normally aimed for like nine thirty. There are some people that really struggle to get into work for nine thirty. And it, it, it's it's alien to me. As I said, I've always been in the office for like half eight, probably the latest, as an average. And those people that do turn up, you know, dragging themselves in for the 9.29 stand-up, and you're thinking, you're not ready for this, but I need to make sure you're on it. And I, I, will, I will be empathetic, not sympathetic, but empathetic. I'm aware that it's not, I am not the norm in that sense. But trying to get those people motivated to start in the first start of the morning, you know, th- these are the guys going, "Oh, I can't remember what I did yesterday." Oh, hang on a minute, let me get context. You guys talk first. Like, Come on, you know, you've you got a chance to do this. It's very frustrating as a as a manager to try and get that out of people. But I've got I've just got to be more aware. And then you know, some of the things I have done is just sort of have those. Let's just going to have a quick chat or during a one-to-one and our you know weekly or fortnightly one-to-ones just bring it up as a gentle reminder you know some people have noticed that you are a little bit late in the morning and it's a bit unfair to them so can we try to get in a little bit earlier and is there anything i can help you to start your day earlier as well, well let, let me let me put it put this to you go let me put this to you why do you have a stand-up at 9.30 in the morning at all? So the purpose of the stand-up is to know what the team are trying to achieve for the day, right? Is it? That's the, it's, it's what are we trying to do, to, what are we trying to complete today? You know, is it? That's what we're trying to achieve, right? Well, that, that, that might be what you think a stand-up is. I'm okay. not sure I agree that that is what a stand-up is. Do you think it's a status is. update? 
I think a stand-up is a status update from each individual member of the team to every other member of the team to okay. update them on, on so that the team gets a view of where every task is. The team is committed to uh, doing a certain amount of things in a certain time scale, and this is particularly true in the Scrum methodology of Agile. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone needs to be aware of well, where, where are we on this? It's also to give an update on impediments and blockers and things that might prevent me from being able to complete the task that I've taken on. Um, I I don't think it's a, this is what we're going to try and do today. I think that doesn't fit So this is interesting because this this is how I've perceived. Basically, the Scrum, which you just mentioned, you know, your your, your daily Scrum is generally the pattern of what did you achieve yesterday? What are you going to do today? And are there any blockers in the way to achieve that? Which is, you know, it's a common pattern. It's not the only way of doing it, but it's a common pattern. Now, in the teams I've been working on over the last few years, we're adopting Kanban, which has a slightly different perspective on delivery. It's more about getting things finished rather than starting new things. And it's more about getting the flow through and releasing those those blockers along the way. So the the drive of that stand-up is more about completing things how do we complete things? What can we complete today? Who who can help facilitate that? Who's going to get involved? Are there any pro- problems along the way? Do you need me as a ADM, as a facilitator, to unblock those things? Or are there any conversations we need to have? So it's, it is more about what we're going to achieve today. So, but it's, it's a fair point. Everyone's got a different way of working it. And that's why I never, ever tell someone what they should do, Scrum or Kanban. I'd rather see how the team works and then understand is this aligned with what the business are expecting from us as well. So I think I think Scrum and Kanban are quite kind of quite prosaic terms for what's quite a simple thing in and of itself. The for me, I, I, as I've always seen the stand up as more of a status update, a coordination meeting, a. Um, and I think it is important to be able to say to someone, please assist me, whether that's the person running the team or, or someone else within the team. I've never understood why it needs to be in the morning. In fact, I've worked on teams where we've had our daily coordination meeting, not in the morning, and it's been equally, if not more, effective, in fact. Okay. Um, I think there is a tendency. I'll tell you a little story. I remember working with a guy, um, you'll know who you are if you're listening, um, who... He really struggled to make it into the stand-up. I don't know if he was a morning person, night hour, whatever, I don't know. But he, he really struggled. And often, we, we had our stand-up at 9.30 in the morning, and he would literally be running across the office at 9.29 and 55 seconds, turn up to every stand-up, dripping his sweat and panting furiously. And it was always amusing to ask him to give his update first because he literally wouldn't be able to talk. So he said, you know what? We're going to move the stand-up to 9.45. So you just pushed it back 15 minutes then? So we pushed it back 15 yep. minutes for him. Okay. So of course what happened then is every day he came running through the office at 9.44 and 55 seconds. And so we thought, all right, we're going to move it to 10. And you can see the pattern. Yep. 9.59 and 55 seconds, he's running across the office. This is just someone who couldn't make a morning session for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So we said, Do you know what, screw this. We're going to do it at midday. Right. Did he to rock and up at 11.59 for that as well? The funny thing is he came. He was in the office at half nine pretty much every day. So um, he learned. 
Well, he just he just was turned up. Right. The, the coordination meeting wasn't until midday, um, and that was really effective. I found because it, it was really nice to have a good chunk of time to do some work, work out what's going on, um, make some progress, and then be able to say, right, this is this is where we are. I've made some progress, and this is what I'm going to look to do over the next period. Um, yeah, I, I found that very, very effective. And I've also worked on teams that had their the coordination session right at the end of the day. That's really 5.30-ish, etc. Which I, I found also extremely effective. And I, I've tried to suggest that we try this um, at work, but no one's been open to it. Like, literally no one's interested. And that's fine as well. I, I, I'm not too bothered about it. But, um, but yeah, why, why the morning? Uh, can you enlighten us? So I couldn't give you the finer detail of this, but I know there's been a lot of studies into the best time to have these sessions. Um, for me, as I, I go back to my original point, what is the purpose of the stand-up? It's to know what to achieve for that day or who's doing what for the rest of the day to get things done. If you're doing it the night before, I've not got a problem with this, but I know that the context is forgotten sometimes, so the detail as well um and then that also goes into the point of those night owls that are working later because they come in at sort of half late half nine quarter ten will work through to six nearly seven sometimes as well if you do your stand-up at half five for example before or five o'clock before everyone goes home there's still things that are going to be done through the day so it's going to kind of get a bit confusing getting the offset of who's doing what and how you're going to achieve that so I'm not, again, like you, I'm not completely against it, but I can certainly see some advantages and some disadvantages to it. Um, I was on a team going back to when I started where we are now. Can we say the name? No, okay. I'll, I'll reset that. So going back to when I started working at this place, um, we had morning stand-ups and afternoon stand-ups. So it's after lunchtime. Now this was on a project that was on a really tight deadline. So I think the project manager or the platform leader at the time was really conscious of getting the detailed deliveries along the way. And if there was any sort of impediments through the day, we're aware of them sooner rather than waiting until the next day. Which again, that's one of the big you know things about Agile. It's faster feedback. When do we get the feedback and do things about it? But that was just meeting overload as well. And that just affected people's motivation. They're going, for God's sake, it's just another meeting. I don't, want, I don't need these in my life. And I, that's when... As the facilitator, the ADM or the Scrum Master, whoever's in your team, they need to observe this and really, really evaluate when is the right time. So I don't think there's a golden rule on this. This is going back to your point. Why do we have a morning one? Because it's the pattern. This is the, the sort of the guide, the standard that people generally go down the pattern, you know, the route of. Whether it's the right decision depends on the team. And if you've got remote working teams, you know, off-site and stuff like that, you really have to think about time zones sometimes. We're, we're quite lucky that we've got co-located teams. that Everyone's on the same time zone. But if you've got people out of office or people in different countries or different, you know, parts of the globe completely, you really need to find that median time to do it for it to work. You know, if you've got a, a, a company that's positioned between the UK and America, especially if you're on the, the West Coast, that's an eight-hour time difference. So you're essentially waiting for them to start their day before you can finish your day, and then is that that's a good time to do a stand-up? I, mean, I guess the t- the time zone thing is a completely fair point, and you know, may may in some some circumstances dictate quite strictly uh, what's possible. But I think the um, 
Um, I, I think it's a worthy debate, and this isn't just about people's you know life patterns. This is, I, I think, I think it, at work, you know, it's really easy to take for granted that oh, this is just how it is, and I, I, I'm not sure we question these things enough. Um, I, I was having a discussion with someone because I'm not always at my best in the mornings. Who was saying to me, uh, he, he was being a little bit, should we say, critical of uh, uh, of something I'd said, and I was like, look. Did I even say that? I don't even remember. I was first thing in the morning. Uh, it wasn't that bad, you know. It wasn't like I'd, I'd um, been rude or anything. Um, uh, I hope not, anyway. But the, um, you yeah, know, it, it could it, happen. We know it, it, these things do happen occasionally. Um, and 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 he, I was sort of explaining. Oh, I'm just wasn't at my best in the morning, and some mornings more than others. You know, if I've had a bit of a disturbed night, whatever it might be. Um, and, and we were discussing. So well. Is it reasonable to offer people the flexibility to live around their life's their lifestyles? I think the answer to that has to be yes. So, how would you cope in a team if you had someone coming up to you and saying, "I, I, I do not function well in the mornings. I want to work eleven till seven thirty." Good question. I've, never, I've not had that situation before because generally the team have been pretty accommodating to the rest of the team's needs, and that's the thing. I think those people that are more aware of their surroundings and their their peers generally do their best to find a way of making it work you know i've, I've we've got um i was thinking of someone that was you know always running in to stand up at nine forty-five, right up to that point and i was wondering if i push it back to 10 o'clock is he going to take the advantage of that like your your colleague that you you experienced it with mm. But by doing that, what would the impact be on the other two, the rest of the team? They were kind of going, well, this isn't fair. I'll make an effort to get in for nine o'clock every day. And this guy's getting away with getting in at 10. Although, geographically, we're pretty much equidistant from the office. What's his lifestyle like? And it turns out, he, you know, he's a night owl. And it's, I get it, but I had to have that awkward conversation to say, you, can you try just going to bed a little bit earlier? See how, see how you get on with it. Can you try other habits it might be setting an alarm a couple of alarms if, you, if your alarm's not working try a different alarm clock or something you know is that is that reasonable is that what reasonable for me to ask that oh yeah I mean is, is it reasonable or should should there be a, a bit well, more flexibility I think there's, there's, you know flexibility is fine and if you want to work later because you're not as functional in the morning completely absolutely fantastic you know mm. coming in later how can we make sure that you're aligned with the rest of the team you know we can't forfeit everyone else's you know situation for one person you need to find a, a fair compromise well, what if it's someone having that discussion because we're, we we basically had a, a session this morning we've got a new team forming this last couple of weeks i said a new team mostly new team we've got a few new people and we talked about the meeting times you know what are our rules around meeting times and how are we going to operate them and everyone agreed okay yep yeah, we'll do a nine thirty stand up we will Make sure that we're punctual. And if we're late, we'll have like a silly forfeit. You know, if you're late, you must provide cakes for the day or something. So it gives them a bit of a an incentive, let's say, to get moving. And also a bit of a fun element, I guess. I'm not sure that's that much fun. but um... Well, it's fun for everyone else because they get cake. True. But but what, what I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. You, know, you try and come up with this, this sort of you know, group decision it's trying to be more diplomatic about it rather than being so flexible towards an individual think about the wider team you know who who okay. who, who you're letting down here it's not just I, i'm just there to facilitate 
I'm, and I'm making suggestions, but it's that it's their group decision at the end of the day of what works. Let me throw another curveball in there for you. Go on. What if it's someone who has another reason for not being able to be in at the time that suits everyone else? So I'm thinking of, let's say there's um, someone who is uh, dealing with childcare issues or, or is a part-time worker because they may be, you know, have had a child and coming back to work, things like that. Okay. Uh, again, not been in that situation because I'm quite new to this as well, right? That's me other caveat. I've only been doing this for like the last year and a half or so. Not been in that situation, but then I will try to sympathise a bit more. Because I've been in that situation where I've got kids. I'm very lucky that I have grandparents that help out hands-on every day. So I don't have to have that concern. But I can be a bit more sympathetic towards how the situation they're in. And if there are, for example, I mean, I've got a a few team members at the moment that are either expecting or I've got newborns. Um, And I'm trying to rewind to where I was at that point. So this, this is a little slight difference between sympathising and empathising. You know, sympathising, I've got a fundamental understanding from my own personal perspective, what that feels like. Empathising is just being a little bit more aware, I guess, um, and using information around you to make that decision. Anyway, don't deviate a little bit. Going back to when we had children, I know it's bloody hard. So I will have that conversation as well and say, talk to me. Tell me what's happening. You know, what, what, is, what is holding you back in the morning? If it's childcare, if it's, you know, traveling or, you know, to get back to the kids, we've got, you know, we're not, we're not like machines. We're not bosses, nasty bosses from the manufacturing days. We do relate to this stuff and we'll just find ways of working around that. And yeah, if they can't make it to stand up at 9.30, could they make a call then rather than being on site? And then once they're in, they can pick up where they left off and work a bit later or something. If they need to work from home in the morning rather than through the day, you know, We'll find ways around that. Um, but I'm not one of these people that kind of go, this is the time, you must be there. It's just like, look, how would you feel if the shoe was on the foot? If someone someone else in the team kept coming in and going, sorry I'm late, I childcare problems, oh, sorry I'm late, I had whatever it is. It will frustrate you as well. So it's just trying to, for me, that's how I always try to interpret it. Switch, the, switch it around, how would I feel if someone else has experienced what I'm going through at the same time? But it's just having those conversations and trying to be a bit more aware, I think, and diplomatic. That's the fine art, I think, is being diplomatic across the whole team. When you've got 10 people in a team, everyone's got their own circumstances. How do you fulfil all those needs? As you say, the general rule is quite straightforward, but then you do have these cases where they come in and you go, I really, I just can't get to sleep at night to get up in time, or you know, my alarms aren't working, or traffic, traffic is a nightmare. I can, they've changed the, the tube system or something, or whatever it might be in London I don't know because I have to worry about that stuff thankfully but that I'd then say well if I was in that situation I'd look at the other options maybe are there, are there any options if not then what could we do to help you make sure that you're available for us as well because that's essentially what we're trying to do make sure you are available to support the team that you're part of but it's, it's, it's not easy and I, I get your point it's, it's just for me, it's just trying to be more sympathetic and empathetic towards people's situations and have that discussion rather than being a, an absolute dick about it. So, yep, notice you're another two minutes late. You're making up for that tomorrow. It's just like, okay, I'll note that. I'll note it again. Third time, I'm having a chat because it's, it's starting to affect everyone else as well. And it's not also measuring that. So again, from my 
managerial perspective, I've got tools and systems in place to start monitoring delivery. And if we start seeing that impact or bottlenecks in the process, that generally points to that person, then I've actually got some data to substantiate that as well. And other people might start observing it. It might be stakeholders. It might be other team members. It might be you know remote parts of the team. That that's when I've got to be more savvy to it as well, because it's not just me that's affecting now or my team. It's the wider you know stakeholders and teams around it, around us. It's funny. It's it's flexible working and just just giving people that that chance to sort of be whoever they are. It's, it's, mm. It presents some pretty big challenges it's a fine balance as well you know you want to be flexible you're not we're not clock watching you know clock in with your card and make sure you're not a minute later than you you meant to be we do we are flexible in that sense but when it comes to life habits and stuff that's the bit where you've got to be careful not to go too far either way as well so i've got another point to throw at you on this one go so you've talked about how teams do agile Mm-hmm. Um, so agile development um, and that's agile with a very capital A mm-hmm. it's a proper noun the approach that you're describing is it is it agile with a lowercase a is it is a good question and if, if it isn't does it matter so I've been quite careful not to be too prescriptive to the agile frameworks as I've started to learn all about them Scrum Kanban we've talked about and there's plenty more I know people that do and I I think your point there is using Agile by its original term you know it's are we being flexible are we what's the right word Um, I'm talking Agile with a lowercase a what I mean by that is is that it's about actually responding to just what's going on around you and, and being able to adapt because i think i think there's that that the, the agile teams get into a mess very very quickly so you know the first um the, the first thing in the agile manifesto is people over process yeah um and i think it's arguable that what you're describing is not people over process. Now, I, I, I would say that you're not being unreasonable about it, but I, I, I think it is arguable. And I think agile teams need to remember agile with a lowercase a as well. And I think we lose that a lot. So I've worked on a lot of teams uh, over the years, too many years. Um, mm-hmm. and it's showing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, no, from your experience, obviously, and your wisdom. Oh, naturally uh, and i think it, there is a tendency in a lot of agile teams to not be agile with a lowercase a to not demonstrate that yeah flexibility and agility to actually respond to the change that's going on i agree with you there i think a lot of teams do fall into that trap and i, I think i'm probably not the best person at it, about it at, at it right now but i've always been mindful of that people over process don't put a process in there unless people are agreeing to it or you actually need to actually use it it's more about you know like i say adapting and inspect inspecting and adapting to your environment and that's the team as a whole the individuals as well and the coordinators like people in my position where we have to try to get delivery using the suggested frameworks 
but realize, hang on a minute, does Scrum work for us anymore? Does Kanban work for us anymore? Are there any other methods that we can look into? Are there anyone, is there anyone out there that's had these problems as well? Can we improve what we've got? And I think, yeah, it's easy to fall into that trap of going, well, it's not prescribed to the Agile framework or manifesto, or it's not our Scrum, I'm meant to do it. Going, I mean, going back to when I started working in this job, um, the first office was so, I was based up in Birmingham, and they were so by the book of Scrum. If it wasn't Scrum, it was wrong. Get the hell out. And that put me off it. It was. It, I think I'm sure they've adapted now and they've learned. You know, it's that's not the old way because I know for a fact that some of the teams have moved over to Kanban. So clearly they've managed to break down some of those boundaries. But that that mindset is quite off-putting. You know, especially to engineers that really don't give a crap about process. They just want to get things done. The processes that are necessary, maybe for build pipelines or you know, there's certain ways of testing things or developing things in a certain way. They're the processes they care about. But as for you know the book let's say they just want to get on with writing code and make sure it's done to a certain quality yeah uh, yeah it's, it's interesting um i think sometimes agile development methodologies are not well suited to those who have to work within agile development methodologies but then again then again having said that i, I also believe that the uh, the stereotypical developer doesn't exist anymore it's, it's, a, it's you know if you look at new talent coming through there's the the yeah, of course, some people do fit that stereotype, but fewer and fewer, I think, uh, with each year. This is a topic for a whole other day, I think, but we're all talking about stereotypical developers. But, uh, yeah, the point about... That's a good topic. It is a great topic. Um, you mentioned, oh, going back, the fact that agile ways don't always work for average, you know, everyone. I was having a chat with my wife tonight, and she's trying to implement some sort of scrum process in schools I instantly just thought hang on a minute what have you interpreted and how tell me about what you're thinking what you're thinking here she told me I thought well you've kind of interpreted it in an okay way but it's not scrum it's definitely not what scrum is a software delivery method but some of the principles she's she's definitely understood you know about people over process and collaboration and time boxing stuff are we able to deliver this stuff but it was more i think she's more taking the agile manifesto over scrum anyway as we found out last time you've um you do try and kanban everything in your life i kanban the shit out of everything yeah <laughs> but the you know task boards and things like that don't don't work for everyone and i think that's fine Not, yeah no mostly agree this is definitely the Scrum Master in you coming out right yeah. now. Um, yeah. And, and I have, have we done an episode where you talked about your transition? We haven't trans, yet. I've, I've talked about it several times now in different places and guises. And it's definitely yeah. one for the future episode. So we should maybe next time talk about your transmogrification. From That's um, just a great word to use. That's the only reason I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it one more time. I think next time we should talk about your transmogrification. Try saying that a few more times. Transmogrification. What a great so word. Good. Um, from your your former life as a mere caterpillar. Oh, you're coming your, up with all the good words. Your um, embedment, your, your self-imposed embeddedness in a chrysalis of agile learning. Can you write my biography? Before you... <laughs> 
came out as a beautiful flowering butterfly. Um, Fantastic. Unfortunately, of course, that butterfly has got squashed between the fingers of... Um, you. <laughs> I don't know. I've lost this metaphor. Um, I'm not sure I ever really had this metaphor. It just got eaten up. It, it was a great metaphor for the first three or four minutes. Um, but no, but it, it, in all seriousness, which is quite a strange thing for me to say... Um, you know, I think I think I think it's a good topic to enlighten our listener. Um, Certainly, might be more than one by now. I think, I think um, hopefully some people get something out of that as well. Um, I was watching. I saw someone post a blog post the other day about what's what comes after senior engineering. What what is the career path beyond that? And I was in that situation. And this and thanks to you, this is where I've moved into now. Um, but we'll, we'll go to the detail now. But it's definitely an interesting topic. I think a lot of people are tapping into. It's, it's a case of going, you know, what 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 does come after coding to the, at the top level? Is it architecture? Is it coaching? Is it you know? I don't know. This is the point. I th- I think the uh, you know it, it it's it's kind of interesting. I, I would have thought you'd have a unique perspective on on uh, things like agile because you you've lived this dual life, this this double life. First, a a developer um, delivering software and 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 being very successful in that part of your career, uh, and now running teams and and having to consider the having to consider the right processes and the impact of those processes on the teams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I would have thought you would have an, a unique perspective. Well, it is it is unique, definitely. And I think we're, yeah, are we delving into this now? Are we doing this now, or are we doing it in a future episode? No, we're not. Um, but what's interesting to me, if you don't mind me saying. Um, and if you get offended at this, well, what can I say? Um, I actually think that your transformation from developer to uh, you know, someone who runs teams is complete because I'm not sure that you've retained your unique developer-based perspective, and I'd be really interested to sort of uh, debate that at a later date. Um, but it, it, I think you let me have think... to let me chew on that one a little bit anyway. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I look at it as someone who hasn't really worked on a development team in the traditional sense for four or five years now. Um, probably not quite that long, but, but a little while. Um, and, and observes it from the outside and says, hmm, maybe there were some things that we did. Maybe there were some things that I did in my career that, looking back, uh, uh, there, there were more efficient ways of doing it. Let's put it that way. Perhaps. Um, and I think, you know, part of this podcast is us just basically spouting bits of random thought and, and you can take that as a bit of random thought for now. So it's a wonderful thought. It's a huge insight into your mind right now as well. So I think that's a good opportunity to say we'll leave that conversation to another time. My transformation from developer geek to manager kind of guy. I won't say any expletives. <laughs> Agile geek. Agile geek, yeah. Dev geek to agile geek. Um, but I think, did we get to our point on the early bird night owl thing this time around? Did we even have a point? Or have we, we fulfilled the name of this uh, podcast and just diarised our verbality? Well, I think there's a lot of diarrhoea in this. <laughs> Hence the wordplay. But hopefully people that were list- are listening haven't turned off just yet and I've got something, even if it's a, a nugget of poop that actually use- is useful. 
No, I, I, I'm not sure we, we I'm not sure we had a specific point about the early birds. Um, it's just an observation, really, wasn't it? The fact that there are different types of people, and it's for me, it's just catering for different types of people. You know, it's easy to go back to your point. People have a process. What works for me? The interesting thing here is is how you, know, you as a, someone who runs a team, and and for me as well as someone who you know, works with a lot of different kinds of people, is is saying, well, how, how do we optimize what we're doing to, to take into account people's um, personal sort of personalities, I suppose it is, but um, just, just the way people are, really. And um, it's, I, th- I think what we're saying here is it's a bit of a challenge in a team. One has to do what the team wants, yeah. which I think is a reasonable position to take. I think it, it is a group effort. Um, yeah, I think I think you nailed it, pretty much. It's just like I say, people over process. Be more mindful of your wider team, and yeah, agile is a framework. It's not a fucking rule book. It's just a guide and a framework that a lot of teams can work with. Well said. Thank you very much, Mike. Drop. If people want to get in touch and maybe. Discuss these points in some shape or form. You can get us on the Twitters. I'm at Sai and you're at Nortals. We've also got the at Verbal Diary Show shared handle. Um, and we are on Facebook, Google Plus, and we've got our own website. So, yeah, get in touch. We're done. And that's it at the end of it. Yeah. That's your catchphrase for finishing it. We're done. We're done. There we go. <laughs>